to the House of Learning podcast produced by A Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburo and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. Today, we're going to take a look at Phoebe in the New Testament church. Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. It's Richard and Molly again. You're getting lots of uh, us together Woo-hoo. these weeks. Um, we are still doing our gender and ministry class and the recordings are up on the podcast channel. Well done if you listen to them because that's really long to listen to as mm-hmm. a podcast. Um, but what we're going to do is there's a really cool uh, person that we want to talk about in the class. Didn't get time to. We're like, okay. Um, can't just leave her out because she's mm-hmm. a really interesting figure mm-hmm. and so wanted to include her um, and so yeah we'll have a shorter chat about Phoebe today and so she only pops up in one place which is um, Romans 16 mm-hmm. and Paul gives a list of loads of people like Romans 16 is like who's who for that region and the church mm-hmm. <laughs> in the first century it's kind of cool and um, yeah, huge mixture of people. Um, but Phoebe is the first on the list. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it says, I'm just going to read the NIV, um, just a couple of verses. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Cancria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you for she has been a benefactor of many people, including me. Boom. Boom. All right, podcast over. There you go. <laughs> yeah, nothing <laughs> left to say. I think um, something that could be helpful right up front is the letters uh, that were written back in like the f- first through fifth century and even beyond, you might know beyond, uh, were written a little bit backwards to what we would consider normal. So greetings mm-hmm. and introductions yeah. and those types of things happen at the end of a letter rather than at the beginning of a letter. So yeah. he is, before he's even getting to into any of the theology, which the Book of Romans is a deep theological work of art, um, in my opinion, I should say. Uh, maybe that isn't well, like a well I think enough people would yeah. agree with that. Yeah, That's sure. <laughs> Just say your opinion. Yes. It's good. <laughs> um, this, he's doing the the introductions at the end uh but what we would get used to in reading a letter would be that it would be up front so what he Mm -hmm. does at the end uh is what we would be used to in the introduction of a letter and um some of the people named in the letters are part of the letter Uh um so we tend to think of letters as being a private uh thing you know, and yeah, then like it just it just gets person. delivered. No one no one else is really involved in the writing. No one else is really involved in the reading. Um, and no one else is involved in the delivery. Mm-hmm. In the ancient world, Paul would have written this letter, probably with the help of the scribe, but probably also by like talking through these ideas, composing these ideas with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you can really see, you can identify Paul's style. He's definitely like biggest voice in the room that's fine and then someone would have to go like take that letter be a Mm -hmm. messenger Mm -hmm. there's no u.s postal service 
Um, and then when especially a letter like this that wasn't to an individual but was to a church, someone would come with the letter and would read it to the church as well. Mm -hmm. So often the people named in these letters are sort of quite deeply involved. Um, it's not just a like end of an email, like, oh, you know, I hope so-and-so is doing okay as well. You know, just remembering people. Yep. Um, there's quite a lot of purpose behind the names of people listed in letters. Yes. And they often have, yeah, interesting stories. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, Phoebe's going to be no exception. Yeah. And um, the nature of Paul's letters, it might be worthy to note too, because we're going to be impacting next week um, a letter to Timothy, all the like t some in Corinthians, mm -hmm. and there was uh, variety in the audience and how many people actually ended up like uh, receiving and reading the letter based on, like for for example, Ephesians. It says written to the church in, in Ephesus, mm -hmm. but it was actually a circular letter, so it made it through like all the almost all the churches in yeah. Ephesus, whereas First and Second Timothy were more personal in nature. He wrote it to a pastor of a church in Ephesus, addressing particular needs uh, yeah. as well. Romans would be on the wider scale, um, probably circulated to multiple yeah. churches because he says to all in Rome, <coughs> to all in Rome who are loved by God and, and yeah. called to be his holy people. So this one was a was a letter received not just by one church, but most likely by many. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Romans was written in Corinth mm -hmm. by Paul. Mm -hmm. That's the prevailing evidence yep. is these these some of these are like um we just have to do the best with the evidence we got mm -hmm. um but this uh town named here kenkria is a harbor town on the edge of corinth so kenkria is like like a beaverton to a portland mm -hmm. if beaverton was a harbor <laughs> right near <laughs> so water if we were on the coast or something like yeah. that so um yeah really like deeply connected and and that's kind of interesting. You know, we're going to take a look at some of Corinthians next week in the class, um, learn a little bit, and then we're like, oh, that's where Paul was writing this mm -hmm. letter from. Mm -hmm. Phoebe's named here. She was probably had a front row seat to all the stuff going down in Corinth yes. as well. So yes. kind of interesting little connection between mm -hmm. those two places, which mm -hmm. is cool. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess we just want to like pull out the details so phoebe yes uh that is a pagan greek name mm -hmm. so it just means moon and so she was probably named after the fertility god artemis mm -hmm. who was a very big deal in corinth mm -hmm. so that would totally make sense and so here we've got someone who's really prominent in christianity mm -hmm. but whose heritage was probably a, a pagan family mm -hmm. upbringing in you know, just a one of your standard major um, pagan cults of the time mm -hmm. in that city. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I like that. I yeah. like the little backstory of like, wow, look, someone's gone through loads of change here. Yes, transformation. And points back to even some of the stuff we talked about in the class that, um, you know, the fulfillment of the new covenant in the person of Jesus was operating on multiple levels. Um, and one of those levels was the grafting in or the, the pulling in of the family of God outside of the traditional Jewish lineage that had been yeah. carried and established since the Abrahamic covenant. So yeah. this is a great example of 
a demonstration of the furthering of that work, even after Jesus has ascended and uh, is seated at the right hand of God. Paul yeah. is continuing that work, called to do that work, uh, to minister to the Gentiles. Yeah, I like the the radical diversity. Because we've been talking about gender, we've noted things like, oh, um, I think we said in the class, like a third of the people, even just in this section of Romans, of, that are greeted are women. Yep which is very surprising for the ancient world. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you can run other um, sort of lenses through the people mentioned, like trying to gauge, you know, are they more aristocratic, rich, affluent, or mm -hmm. are they, you know, people whose background would have been maybe slavery or, you know, different things like that. And we, and we see it with who Jesus interacts with mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And there's just like, there is a big spectrum or yep. whether they're Greeks or Jews or, yeah, mm -hmm. lots of these things. It's... It's almost as if the writers of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, wanted to make a point. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that's good. Exactly. Um, and our sister, Phoebe, which is language we don't, we don't use family language when we talk about each other. I don't know. Maybe it's gotten a bit cheesy. Sure. Like if we started the podcast, it's like, hey, it's Brother Richard here, and I've got <laughs> Sister Molly with me today. Um yeah. Be kind of cool. I don't know. Maybe we should start trying it. Yeah. Just see, just see how it lands. The cheese yeah. and, and go for it. <laughs> but I, I like that the, um, we'll have to do a podcast sometime on fictive kinship. Um, but mm. um, yeah, this is someone who is from Corinth. So Phoebe's from Corinth. And now, um, you know, well, we'll talk about how we know she's in Rome, but she's in Rome. <laughs> yes. Um, but Paul introduces her in a way that puts right front and center. She's part of the family too, mm -hmm. which I really like. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in our modern, bit cynical, you know, tribalism kind of world, you know, someone's visiting from out of state from a different church. And rather than our first reflex being like, oh, you're part of the family too. Our reflex can sometimes be like, oh, I better size you up. Mm. Like, I better figure you out. I yeah. better, you know. Yeah. This is just, this is different to to some of our habits. Yeah. And so I like the challenge of that. that yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Sister Phoebe. Sister Phoebe. And Sister Phoebe wasn't like a nun. No. There's none, no nuns for another thousand years. Yes. <laughs> it's just actually that familial language of she belongs to the family too, she belongs to you, you belong to her, mm -hmm. Phoebe. Yep, and he does a great deal um, of introducing her in an honoring way and in a, a way that almost um, credentializes. Is that a word? Do you know what? I don't know, but I, like you said it with confidence. <laughs> yeah, uh, credentializes her to establish a level of like, authority as she's as she's giving this letter so he says my sister phoebe indicating the familial language and then calls her a deacon um and we mentioned in the class that there was a period of time where uh there was a little bit more of a theological agenda being driven towards some of the translations and so for a minute there she was translated as servant um which is a, a more generalized term for and there are other greek because the greek word here is diakonos yes which is Which, deacon, yeah. comma, servant. Yes. And so it does get used mm -hmm. both ways in Greek literature. Yes. 
But in the New Testament, it's translated as deacon everywhere else consistently. Yes. Because it did become a term that was like a particular kind of servant in the church. Yes. One of these, like we talked about in the class, enduring offices An office. of leadership. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. Um, it's kind of fun. I'm actually writing a little document for us at the moment about what deacons are. Yes. So I've been like, my That's brain's right. been nerding out on deacons at the moment. On deacons. Um, yeah, so maybe, yeah, do a little rabbit trail on what a deacon is. Sure, yeah, great. Because um, uh, what what my brain's been thinking through is to clarify for our church. Yeah. Is sometimes we can think of deacons as uh, like super volunteers. Right. So lots super of churches, servants. yeah, they can they can treat deacons as super servants. Um, some churches have a model that's a bit more like, well, there's some elders, and um, it might be um, that maybe there's like a uh, like a teaching pastor, like there might be some staff hired in positions where there's like great need, but then there's a group of who you know maybe. I like cross over with elders, but then there might be some staff, but people who are not on staff who fit in the category of deacons and they're like, they're running the ship. Mm. Like they're not just like turning up to serve the coffee or change the diapers in the infant room or run the craft in the Sunday school or, you know, things like this. Um, You know, they're praying about organizing, strategizing, raising up people, developing systems, like doing all the work um, to make things happen. Um, and, and it's, I, I don't know, the, I, I would kind of, dis- I don't know, you might have like a, a different way of talking about this, but I would describe it as like elders seem to have this function that's a bit more of like shepherding responsibility, of like the duty of care to mm-hmm. make sure that someone's watching and praying and, and asking the question and taking to heart the question like is this flock being cared for well yeah that like that the and we all do that with each other we've all got, you know god raises mm-hmm. up pastors and shepherds but mm-hmm. the ultimate like making sure someone's paying attention to that that mm-hmm. responsibility rests on the elders mm-hmm. but they don't do it alone but the response right. it's like the buck stops with them yeah and then uh, making sure that the church is um believing the right things about the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, uh upholding doctrine. Yeah, it's just just being like, oh, part of that duty of care and responsibility is making sure um I don't like the word upholding doctrine doctrine because sometimes upholding can be like um it can be a sort of an active thing. Like if we talk now about a bit of theology, we're upholding like any any time we speak out truth, we can be upholding sure. doctrine. I think it's that duty of care of like people who are watch. It's again, it's that watchfulness like of like the shepherd and the watchman, yes. and it's not overseeing in terms of like organizing. No, no, um, not being, CEO. Being the business. yeah, it's not CEO, but like that duty of care of like I'm watching this flock to make sure that like lies are not getting in. Yeah, you know, and again, like God raises up teachers and prophets and all these people. So elders have elders seem to have this function that's a bit more of like duty of care and responsibility to watch over and then the actual operating of a family making sure a family's like fed washed dressed sure. organized yeah. getting to the same place at time on time um that people are 
grow, you know, the, the parenting functions. Mm-hmm. I'm using sort of family language, but yeah. that sort of pastoring, teaching, apostling, disciple making, like all of those things. Um, and again, God gifts the church so that everyone does the work in the ministry. Mm-hmm. And the work in the ministry always has an internal aspect that we're all supposed to be making disciples. And the external aspect is that disciple making includes people who don't know Jesus yet. Mm. And so everyone's doing it, but the deacons have this function of like um, getting their arms around helping the church do it in a coordinated way. Mm-hmm. And not just like strategically minded people, but like people listening to the spirit, wanting Jesus to speak into how they're supposed to organize, what they're supposed to prioritize, how they're supposed to do things, mm-hmm. where he wants them to go, what he wants them to do. Mm-hmm things like that and so a deacon's a really significant role in the new testament mm-hmm. um unfortunately for us we have a bit of a model of we have elders and we have staff and we have deacons yeah and i'm like so if you insert staff as the ones who do all of the organizing coordinating listening to jesus stuff mm-hmm. then deacons are left with the leftovers right and can be treated like super volunteers right Right. But actually, the reality is that some of our staff probably fall in the category of elders and some of our staff fall in the category of deacons. Mm. It's just that the elders have identified some people um, like you and me who they were like, hey, I think you're actually a deacon that God wants to be like really focused and be able to be absorbed as a point person for something in this church. Yeah. So you're going to be on staff mm-hmm. because we need more of your time. Yeah. But deaconing doesn't stop with the staff yeah and so it is um it's not just this i don't know it can be relegated to like a support role mm-hmm. um you know and and so the 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 combination of deacon and servant we can sometimes say like oh you know they just serve the interests of helping the staff do their jobs mm-hmm. and it's like no they serve the church and the mission of jesus mm-hmm. like that's who they are servants to not to a staff but to a, a group of people in a place that God is building into a church. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That was, I'm going to get off my soapbox. I've been, soap I've been like thinking about that. I've got to get it out. got to get yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But is that like, do you think in similar terms? Or do, have you found like more helpful ways for you to sort of articulate what a deacon is? Good question. I would say... I think I'm in the midst of wrestling with the like, um, it it seems apparent that church structures often mirror the institutions of the culture that they inhabit. Yes. And have done through most of church history. Right. So we're not, we're not special, right. We're not special in kind of organizing a church based on a nonprofit business model. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, it is so vastly different from what we see being set up in the first century church as Paul is establishing and apostling and being a missionary to a bunch of different places. And uh, And even within the New Testament, we see some variety. Yes. There isn't one way they did things in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. So, Right. And I think... If there was, life would be so much simpler. But clearly Jesus actually wants to do some different things, different ways in different places. So. We have to make our peace with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. And so there can be pros and cons to to the approach of kind of inhabiting the structures that maybe the culture that we inhabit uh, pr- 
presents us with, but then some downfalls are we run things through the grid of like a business organization first and then wonder how elders and deacons and staff are like populate those boxes that have been pre-established by uh, an organization. And so I think that it feels like it's an opportunity to go back to the drawing board a little bit um, because if, I mean, and this is an ironic statement being that I am on staff, but it seems as though like the elders and the deacons are the the ones that are holding an official office. So calling that, so having them be volunteer seems like a weird, if we're going to monetize something, feels like a weird category to put yeah. them in as volunteers. Especially in our culture where monetizing is our primary way to say that is something we affirm yes. value and want to commission. We ascribe value by monetizing. Yes, it. which is really unfortunate because that's not a very biblical no, uh, no, model. No, yeah, no, and it it can be a thing. It's just it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. Yeah. But we've and then we've got a bunch of people in on staff that probably uh, hold more of the functions of the Ephesians four prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, um, apostle. Yep, apostle. <laughs> that was like, the last have one. We got I the forgot. complete set. Yeah, Which one are we missing? A, a pest. <laughs> um, and they're all monetized for their efforts. Yeah. So it's a weird question for me to answer being mm. on staff. One, you know, trying to explore right now what 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 this an integrity based model of ministry in the 21st century post modern leaning post Christian world looks like. Mm-hmm. Um because I think that maybe we would just have elders and deacons holding offices and then everyone would function according to the ways in which God has released and called them in obedience to function as. Like even Paul Paul sometimes got supported, but but in some places he was paid and supported. Right. In some places he's like, oh, I'm going to work in Mm -hmm. this place. Yep, I'm going to build some tents. He functioned in different places and different... Yes, yes. Um. But my logic just wrote myself out of a job. So, I I do think it's like, <laughs> like there are there are sometimes when paying someone isn't an affirmation of their office or um, their giftedness or it's just for the health of the church's functioning. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we need some people who can really give a lot of their time. Yeah, and then yeah, working might not be another option. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, like right. Anna and I got to that. Yeah, the, like the first twenty years of, like, well, first twenty years of walking with Jesus for me, and the first, I don't know, fifteen years odd of being married. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were the college pastor, one of the worship pastors. We helped start a Bible college. Um, you know, was a key teacher. Um, you know, we did tons of ministry. Um, did campus ministry. Traveled around. Um, you know. Uh, and we always refused to take any money for it mm. because we managed to work on the side. Yeah. But it got to a time when what God was calling us to do was taking so much of us that we couldn't do, we couldn't honor that right. and honor the, the financial, work, like needs. financial needs as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and that, like, oh my goodness, I've talked to, this is nothing to do with Phoebe. <laughs> But I've talked to so many young people who are like, I'm really interested. I think God might want me to just press in to like being involved in ministry in the church. And 
my first piece of advice is always like give yourself fully to it for a couple of years as a, as a and I hate the word volunteer but like do it alongside something for a while yep um because I don't know we've especially in America where the church has had a lot of resources it's often concluded oh let's pay someone to do that um without really asking the right questions mm-hmm. which means people have stepped into things without always asking the right questions right. and their heart hasn't maybe refined through a mm-hmm. process of discernment and then you end up with a sad situation which is what i want to fight against i think especially after covid when resources have dropped and it's like oh boohoo we can't have a hundred stuff uh, we weren't ever supposed to it was kind of a weird season mm-hmm. it was a bit dysfunctional it wasn't actually that healthy it was us trying do the best we could oh we've got resources and keep up with the opportunities jesus gave us but now we've got a season to do better and raise people up like to actually step into their kingdom calling whether they're on staff or not paid or not just like there's no distinction Mm -hmm. (laughs) like everyone has a calling and a place and something to bring because we're a body and so they go oh, okay another soapbox yeah. let's get back to phoebe yeah no it's good though <laughs> but, i think it but the point she's yes. a deacon she's a deacon and being a deacon is a really significant thing yes in the new testament church yes and sometimes we just look at oh they had to help with something really practical in act six and miss that philip pops up with like prophetess daughters evangelizing getting whisked around by the holy spirit being a leader later in the church stephen's like mega pre mega bowl right it's not just physical needs no spiritual needs as well it's not it is it is you know they were exercising massive gifts yep um yep yeah and so being a deacon really significant oh also i want to pick up on the word commend yeah so in the the likelihood is the connection here if i commend phoebe is that is it because phoebe is the one who's going to arrive in rome with this letter yeah so she is the one who has been involved as a partner with, I mean, Priscilla and Aquila, also mm-hmm. in Corinth. Priscilla, mm-hmm. Aquila, uh, that Paul was staying with for a while, you know, as this church has grown, she's been a part of it. And then they've commissioned her to go take the letter to Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this word commend speaks to um, her being more than just a delivery girl. Yes, if all she's going to do is be like, hey, can you Here's sign this for this? Letter. I've got this letter from Paul. She doesn't really need commending. Right. She's actually being sent as a representative of Paul, which mm-hmm. is how Paul normally did things. Like mm-hmm. he, he talks to Timothy as he sends him places this way. Like the, there's kind of language around this. Yeah. And so, yeah, commend is really significant that he's, um, well, we're going we're gonna to see there's a lot more language here about this. Um, this is just the beginning of this clue that she's going to have a significant interaction with the church in Rome Mm -hmm. as someone who's an outsider um, and not being renamed an apostle because she's sent with a, like, that's not really her role. Her her office is deacon, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But, yeah, she's going to have a a significant, like, she might have read the letter. She might have answered questions about the letter because... They've Paul's obviously been working some of this stuff out and what to say to them in Corinth, mm-hmm. maybe in like a house church that she's been a part of, or yes. you know. So, um, 
And she needed credentials because she was uh, unknown. Like mm-hmm. people would not have known who this I, person was. So to orient them with the appropriate authority that she carried so that she wasn't just someone trying to fool people into, you know, this, that, or the other. Paul gives, like, bolsters his her introduction with honoring uh, commendable language mm-hmm. around her office and her authority and her gifting. Yeah. Um, and it reminds me of phrases like this, when Paul says, like, I really hope to come to you that you and I can be refreshed, mm-hmm. that we can bear more f- spiritual fruit, you know, um, all of these uh, sort of functions of what it looks like when when this partnership and the way God's using Paul getting expressed to another church, mm-hmm. like that's um, that stuff in the background then of maybe what's going to happen when Phoebe arrives in Rome. Mm-hmm. And he says to give her any help she may need, which yeah. is technical... I, I feel like that's significant because it indicates that Paul is trusting her with something beyond just the, like you were saying, the the handing off of a letter. There's a scope yeah. of a de- deacon's job description that would have carried with itself a reading of the letter and a being available to answer, yeah. et cetera. And there could be there could be non-written stuff mm-hmm. that she's, you know, going to go do. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, which we see like with Timothy. Paul mm-hmm. didn't write a letter for Timothy to read to the church. He wrote to Timothy and said, "Here's some things I want you to do in this church." Mm-hmm. You know, so we we don't know, but there could have been. Mm-hmm. But the need for help is us is basically saying to the Roman church, "She's um, she's bringing the letter, and I commend it. Like she's she's my representative. Mm-hmm. I commend her to you. So mm-hmm. listen to her." Um, Oh, well, I guess we missed the middle bit. Receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people. Mm. So he is elevating her as someone like that they should respect, look up to, that God is using. You know, just elevating her as like, listen to her. Like God's using her, man. Mm-hmm. Like you, you guys got to listen to her. Mm-hmm. She's going to be a blessing to you guys. And so receive her in, in that way. Yep. Um, but to give her help signals and she's got other stuff she's about and i want you guys to be a support to her she's like her her role in this little pericope is not just to bring a letter and read it yeah like maybe she's going on somewhere else afterwards maybe she's going to stay in rome and take care of some things or um yeah there's a hint because it says she's been a a benefactor or a great blessing to many Mm -hmm. that she may have been involved in like helping raise funds in corinth um to take to one of the other churches in the past like maybe she's going to do something similar Mm -hmm. i mean that sort of organizational leadership um would really fit (laughs) with being a deacon so we don't know what it is but clearly um like she's being sent on like a mini mission here that's about more than just taking this letter to Rome. Mm -hmm. And Paul's inviting this whole church to get behind her as someone really significant that God's using. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that receive her in a way worthy of his people is, I don't know, an easy phrase to gloss over. Yeah. But the weight of, to like, worthy of his people, Mm -hmm. like, with great love, great generosity Uh, i mean those are (laughs) high esteemed yeah 
I don't know. It's easy for us to read that and Americanize it and be like, oh, yeah, be hospitable. Like, be right. friendly to her. Make sure she feels it's welcome. It's like, no, this is like more than be friendly. Yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah. Uh, this is, that's a pretty extreme phrase yeah. to welcome someone, mm -hmm. to receive someone. Um, also, even the word receive is, um, that's a sort of technical term um, in rabbinic talk. So they would talk about the teachings of a, of a rabbi being delivered and received. And and like that's when um, Paul will say like I um, am delivering the traditions just as I received them. Mm. That sort of combo of deliver receive, mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's kind of significant that he is you know, uh, he's sending her. He's delivered her to this church and then asking her to receive. Mm -hmm it's this kind of there's overtones of that kind of rabbi type i want i want i've influenced her and i want to invite you to be influenced by her mm -hmm. you know like that passing the baton of discipleship through her yeah. so yeah there's just so much when you get into the culture and the language they used there's little hidden overtones here that we can miss that even though it's just a couple of verses we're like oh wow um like this is a really significant right. person. Like there's a reason she stands at the top of the list here. Right. Yeah. Yep. And then we've got the um, the last bit because she's been a benefactor. a benefactor of many people. It's a Greek word prostasis. Um and the the meaning has a little debate around it at the moment. There's a lot of research being done. Um, like benefactor or patron does like. That's definitely, yep. you look it up in a lexicon, that's what you would find. Yep. Um, but in not long after, when this was probably written in Greek literature, you do find the word with sort of overtones of being a leader. Mm. So that's it's an interesting one. But, I mean, she's a deacon, so we really know she's a leader. Yes. So I don't really need to debate that one. No, but we can But the idea of being that. a patron is, yeah, is interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, someone who... Um, has is probably someone with means, mm -hmm. um, but you don't get to be a patron and a benefactor with means without also having the other side, which is massive generosity. Mm -hmm. And so, like, here's a woman, noble of, character, yeah, substantial generosity, yep. who's been helping others, yep, and not just Paul, because um, he does say including me, but. Right. I like the way he doesn't say she's been a benefactor of me and some others. Yes. But she's been a benefactor to many people, including me. Mm -hmm. um, He's just one of many. Just one of many. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, th I think this is the the cherry on top of the wonder that is Phoebe. And we mentioned in our class, too, that um, this was uh, a lot more likely that the women of, of, of means would support often be the primary supporters of missionary movements, mm -hmm. not just the movements of Jesus, but uh, thereafter as well as the, the gospel started to spread yeah. out beyond Jerusalem. And so this is just another maybe practical example that that, that, that was very much taking place and that was a common experience. Um, but yeah, we, we've just hit on so many levels. She's a sister in that she's a part of the family of God. She's a deacon, so she is like a leader with influence, um, in the church of Cancrea, she's um, worthy of being received. 
She is a benefactor, so she's got noble character and radical generosity marks her life. Um, so even in just two verses, we learned so much about this woman. Yeah. If we're willing to pay attention and to take great care in. Yeah. Because I think it could be also very easy to read, oh, I commend Phoebe, this servant in this church, and like here's some Paul language where you know where you're supposed to receive her in the you know he has elevated language all the time <laughs> I ask yeah. you to receive her in the way of the Lord uh, and then he just goes on to name a bunch of other people but within two verses we've discovered uh, an incredible woman who was a, a leader and a front runner in the the Church of Rome yeah yeah so there we go that's probably enough on Phoebe mm-hmm. um, it just goes, like you say, just goes to show there's like hidden nuggets mm-hmm. you can miss. Mm-hmm. Um, exciting people. Yes. Um, who really come to life. And yes, we've looked at another woman. We could have looked at some men. It's just that the look at this cool guy in the New Testament is such well-trodden ground. Yes. That we're trying to, yeah, point at some of the people we may not have noticed yep. as much in the past. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, for for every Phoebe, there's a guy as well. Yes. And vice Par- versa. Always driving towards partnership. Yeah. Well, there you go. So have a little think about Phoebe. Hope she's an inspiration. She's a really exciting character. Mm-hmm. And then next Monday, last bit of the class, yes. we're going to look at Corinthians. 11 and, and 14. Timothy, ele- yeah, and uh, First Timothy. The problem passages, what a lot of people yeah. I think have been waiting for the on a more technical th- level. Yeah, and the ones that um, it is a bit more involved to explain them, so want to have more time, but the also questions. lay the foundation of like what's the stuff that the, the handholds that are clearer for us to grab hold of mm-hmm. that will s- then stand on to go into Help those us passages. Navigate. Yep. But yeah, the, the classic, if you lift five words out of context, you end up with... Um, takeaways that are like oh women are just supposed to never speak or right things like that so molly and i are looking forward to that and if you can't join us that's okay um but join us we'll put it on the podcast but it'd be great to see you there because then you can interact and ask questions and we can meet you there'll be loads of time for questions we we're hoping to create some space after each kind of problem passage yeah so that you don't forget your questions back when you had one in first corinthians and we're already in timothy so yeah So, yeah, we look forward to that, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by Jesus Church College, based at Westside Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.